is Bloomberg Surveillance. What I think the markets are doing is adjusting to the fact that things are going to be lower longer. Interest rates are going to stay lower longer than people anticipate. Low inflation is very good for stocks. It has proven to be over the last 50 plus years. The biggest banks are still, in my judgment, too big to fail. And if you had multiple banks run into trouble at the same time, they would still get bailed out. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, worldwide. A most amazing morning for global markets with Sterling leading the way off the Brexit fears, but other news as well. We had a 138 handle on cable right now, 138.99 uh, on pound Sterling. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning. It's brought to you by Cohn Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. As economic policy changes, so do business decisions. Speak to the experts at Cohn Resnick for the forward-thinking advice you need. Find out more at CohnResnick.com. Without further ado, uh, we need to bring in Martin Feldstein of Harvard University, of course, the founder of the force of NBER, our National Bureau of Economic uh, Research, and leading acolyte of ec 10 in teaching basic economics to young upstarts at Harvard. Professor, wonderful to speak to you. Good to uh, talk to you. We could talk to you this morning. I think, Mike, we could go three, if not four hours with a good professor. Let me ask the fiscal question of the morning. If we all assume our monetary institutions are exhausted and you're reading of political history, is there any way a society or monetary authorities jawbone good politicians to affect fiscal policy? Well, right now, I don't think we need to do any new fiscal policy. Uh, So it's really a question about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, If this uh, recovery continues, if the Fed normalizes interest rates, then it will be just like any other past downturn, uh, and monetary policy will be able to do the job. Well, you make an interesting point. You you wrote this week in the Wall Street Journal that the Fed should continue to raise interest rates, that the U.S. economy is in better shape than people think, and uh, you seem to be a lonely voice out there calling for additional rate moves by the central bank. Well, of course, if, uh, if you're the stock market or the investors in the stock market, uh, you want another pumping up of equity prices by the Fed. But I think that's a dangerous strategy. I think the Fed got it right last December when they said they would have uh, four increases this year. And I don't think things have changed significantly since then. Mike, pick it up here, but this is critical. How do you rebut then what Madame Lagarde says, which is Janet Yellen must worry about the contagion of global slowdown? It's certainly not having a big impact on the United States. If you look at what's happened to our net exports, the last two quarters for which we have data, the cumulative effect over the last two quarters was to reduce GDP by one quarter of 1%. So uh, this is not a problem for the U.S. It is certainly true that Japan is in trouble, that the Eurozone is in trouble. Uh, China has slowed down a bit. But who wouldn't like to be growing at six and a half percent? Are you afraid that the Fed is afraid of financial markets at this point? 
they're acting as if they are. The question is, is that what they're really afraid of, or is it that what they're looking for is a further reason to keep money uh, very loose, keep interest rates super low, so they can squeeze another few tenths off the unemployment rate? Well, they've, that's what they say they want, but uh, given the the uh, forecasts that the Fed made for what happens to the economy in 2016, it, there doesn't seem to be a reason to hold off in March, uh, given the data you're citing, but they're giving every impression that they're going to do that. Well, you're right, but I, as you said, if you look at their forecast, if you look at the administration's forecast, if you look at the CBO's forecast, if you look at private forecasts, they're all saying this is going to be a year in which we're going to have 2-plus percent real GDP growth. So uh, I think the fetish about whether we have an inflation rate measured the way the Fed likes to measure it with the PCE deflator, whether we have 1.3% or we have 2%, gosh, who cares about that other than the Fed? <laughs> Can you put on your EC-10 hat and explain why we are better off with higher interest rates at this point? Well, I think the way I would put it is we're in trouble with these super low rates. The super low rates uh, helped us get this recovery, so that was a good thing, but we are causing financial instability. We're causing risk-taking that could uh, come home uh, to create serious problems for us in the future. So we're seeing the stock market gradually unwinding. Do we want to give it another another boost so that when it starts to fall, it has to fall faster? I don't think so. We, we've we reached a point, and, and again, with the different attitudes that are out there, I think our heads are spinning and our listeners' heads are spinning about this polarity between what the Fed should do. I go back to global events in your doing history, Professor Feldstein, or your reading of history. Can there be a global central banker? Is that something in our history? No, we don't have a global monetary system. We have a system in the Eurozone. Uh, we have a uh, monetary policy for Japan, for China, and so on. So, no, there is no global monetary policy. But does the Fed have any, the Fed or the United States have any responsibility to the rest of the world, given our status as the world's reserve currency? Uh, well, the status as a global reserve currency, to the extent that that's important, it is to maintain the value of the currency. And that means not allowing inflation to get out of hand. And right now, inflation is low. Uh, it's, it's not worryingly low, but it's low. But it's beginning to mm -hmm. pick up. And we're seeing that in wages, and we're seeing that in prices. So the core CPI was up 2.2% relative to 12 months ago. It's picking up speed. Uh, average hourly earnings picking up speed. 
So to the right. extent that we have an obligation, it's to prevent future inflation. Professor Felstein, I want to switch gears here. I know Mike's got a bunch of themes he wants to address as well this morning. I think all of our listeners would like to know your experience of how you plug in future economic growth into our budget calculations. We've got a great deficit to GDP right now, but real concerns moving forward, CBO and others suggesting um, uh, to be kind to use the cliche storm clouds on the horizon. How can we know where the horizon is if we're plugging in GDP estimates that are all over the map depending on one's political persuasion? Well, of course, what matters is the medium and longer term, not what's going to happen for the next quarter or two quarters. So what's going to happen to the debt-to-GDP ratio, which is the thing I worry about, um, depends on what's going to happen to future nominal GDP growth and what's going to happen to the deficit. So uh, what we've seen is that the debt-to-GDP ratio has more than doubled in the last 10 years. used to be 35%. That's okay. We can live with that. But now it's over 75%, and the Congressional Budget Office tells us 10 years from now it's going to be 86%. If anything, I think that's too optimistic. So where it goes depends on just two numbers. What's happening to the deficit ratio, the share of GDP that our deficit is, and second, what's happening to nominal GDP. And I think the CBO's estimate, and they try to do the best job they sure. can. I think they're straight shooters. But I think what they're telling us is that based on the assumption that we're going to be growing in nominal terms at about 4%, 2% real plus 2% inflation, and that deficits are going to come up only slowly, given that they're putting us on a path toward 100% of GDP, reaching 86% of GDP in the next 10 years. I think that's too optimistic. Martin Feldstein with us. Uh, this one, Mike, you've got like eight things to talk well, we, about. Yes, I do. Right? As soon as we come back, I want to jump right in to follow up on what he was just saying about the debt-to-GDP ratio, but I do yeah. need to pass this along. Jeffrey Lacker, the Richmond Fed president, speaking in Baltimore, says there is no evidence that a U.S. recession is imminent. He thinks that yeah. the decline in inflation expectations may be more a decline in the term premium than anything else. What does that point. mean? That means the, 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 that uh, you're not getting compensated as much for holding on to things for a longer time, right. not necessarily because there's higher inflation. Yeah. My ter- John Tucker, my term premium is, is under the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> That's my time premium. My time premium is, is. It's in a matter of months. I, <laughs> I was going to say minutes or hours. We're going to continue yeah. with Professor Feldstein he of Harvard uh, University. A little bit better tape than an hour ago. Futures negative fifteen. Dow futures negative one thirty six. Sterling one thirty nine oh seven. All right, let's bring uh, John Tucker in now with uh, world and national headlines. John. Well, Donald Trump getting a major boost heading into Super Tuesday contest next week. His dominating victory in the Nevada caucuses pushes him further out ahead of his nearest competitors for the Republican presidential nomination. Uh, Still a lot left to resolve as the effective date of the Syrian truce edges closer. The agreement reigns shaky at best. The U.S.-Russia proposed truce is supposed to begin Friday. Major questions over enforcement are still unresolved. And Coca-Cola's latest bid to win European Union trademark protection for a new version of its iconic bottle has fallen flat. EU judges say its curvaceous design isn't distinctive enough. 
Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. You heard what I said in more than 150 <laughs> news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker, curvaceous. Curvaceous. Ugh. Okay, you too. Okay. That's enough. Uh, futures negative 15, Dow futures negative 135. We will return with Martin Feldstein on the nation's debt and deficit. Bloomberg surveillance. This news update brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer. When it comes to winter elements, put your best four wheels forward with Mercedes-Benz 4 all-wheel drive. Visit your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer for a test drive today.